the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. He sees us as sinless because of Jesus Christ. And He doesn't remember our sins anymore. And when God looks at us, He sees the righteousness of Christ. And He sees us as upright, even though we're not upright. And even though we go astray. And even though we drift. And even though we cool off, and even though we backslide, He sees us as upright because of Jesus. He sees us through the lens of the cross. How you see yourself is very different from how God sees you. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he teaches you that God sees you through the lens of the cross. You might see all of your sin, how you have gone astray, or your lack of passion for the things of God. However, when you have received Christ as your Savior, God sees you as sinless. By the work of Jesus on the cross, God sees you as righteous and upright. Pastor Dan teaches that even though you are a sinner, God sees you as white as snow through the lens of the cross. And now open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 44 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. If you want to turn there in your Bible, Isaiah 44, we're also going to be in Ezra chapter 1 tonight, Ezra chapter 1, Isaiah 44, Ezra chapter 1. If you look back in chapter 43 at verse 22, in chapter 43 we saw that at this point in Israel's history, they had grown weary of the Lord. We're told in verse 22, they were tired of worshiping Yahweh. And so they turned to the gods of the nations around them. They turned to other gods and they began to worship other gods other than Yahweh. They turned their backs on Yahweh. And the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, through the prophet Isaiah, is trying to reason with Israel and persuade them to come back to him in this section of Isaiah. We really see the heart of the Lord here in this section of Isaiah, his heart for his people. We see his love. We see his grace. We see his forgiveness. He tells Israel if they return to him, he will blot out their transgressions. He will remember their sins no more. His love for them has not been quenched by their sin, and his love for us is not quenched by our sin. Uh, when we, when we, you know, we're prone to wander, we're, we're prone to backslide, 
And when we backslide, it doesn't quench his love for us. He still loves us. He loves us unconditionally. And God's love for us is not quenched by our sin. And here he, he is reaching out to Israel, trying to get them to come back to him. In chapter 44, the Lord continues to try to persuade Israel to return to him. And in verse 1, it says, Yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant, the name Jacob means supplanter, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Remember, the Lord changed Jacob's name to Israel. Israel means governed by God. And so there was a point when they were governed by God, happily governed by God. There was a time in their past when they were submitted to the Lord and allowed the Lord to govern their lives. And now they're away from the Lord. And look at verse 2. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. The name Jeshurun means the upright one. And so you see here God's grace in the way that he is speaking to the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. God calls Israel Jeshurun. Although they have sinned against him, he calls them the upright ones, the upright ones. And he does the same with us, right? Even though we sin and we fall short every day and and yet Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we're accepted into God's family. We're sons and daughters in his family. We're the children of God. And the blood of Jesus Christ blots out all of our sins. And the Bible says that one day Jesus will present us holy, blameless, and above reproach in God's sight. And he he looks at us and he sees us as sinless. Because of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't remember our sins anymore. And when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And he sees us as upright, even though we're not upright. And even though we go astray. And even though we drift. And even though we cool off. And even though we backslide. He sees us as upright because of Jesus. He sees us through the lens of the cross. When he looks at us and notice also God's appeal to Israel here. He says that he made them, he formed them in the womb, he chose them. And what he's saying here essentially is they owe their very existence to the Lord. If it wasn't for the Lord, they wouldn't exist as a people or as a nation. They owe him their existence. And in the same way, God made you, God made me. God made us, he formed us, each of us, he created us individually, he gave us life, he he has a plan for each of us, he's had this plan since before we were born, while we were still in our mother's womb, called us, he chose us, we who weren't a people, he's made it his people, we who were once far from him and alienated from him, enemies of God by our wicked works, the Bible says, He's he's made us his children. He's brought us into his family. He's given us an inheritance in heaven. He's got a future for us. He's got a plan for us. You know, to the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord says to Jeremiah, the prophet, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He, he, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. I already had, I had a plan for you. I set you apart for my plan. And the same is true for you and me. God knew you. He knew me before he formed us in the womb. Before we were born, he had a plan for each of us. He had a set apart, had a set apart for his purposes. Look at verse three. Now, again, remember, at this point, Israel is, is backslidden. They've turned their back on Jehovah and they're, they're worshiping other gods now. And he is trying to persuade them to come back. And he says in verse three, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods, not just a little water, floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. If Israel returns, God promises that he will pour out his spirit upon them and not just a little bit like a flood, like a flood of water on dry ground. This reminds us of what Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John, chapter seven, uh, when he was in Jerusalem at the temple. And you remember the story, John, chapter seven, verse thirty nine. Jesus stood up in the crowd and he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John tells us, but this he spoke concerning the spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so there in John seven, Jesus cries out to the crowd, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so he gives this invitation to anyone who's who's spiritually thirsty to come to him. And so that all you have, if you're thirsty, you're, you're qualified. And all you have to do is come to him. And he promises to give us the Holy Spirit and to, to satisfy that spiritual thirst that's in us and pour out his spirit upon us. And look again at the verse here. Not only does he promise to pour out his spirit on Israel, but he will also pour out his blessing on them and on their offspring, on their descendants, their children. And they will spring up among the grass, verse 4, like willows by the water courses. When the Spirit is poured out, it affects, its effect is new life. He'll bring new life to them, spiritual life, spiritual vitality. And they will not be ashamed to identify themselves with the Lord. In verse 5, one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand the Lord's and, the, and name himself by the name of Israel. Right now, as, as Isaiah is writing this, the nation is ashamed of the Lord. They've forsaken him. But he's saying, if you return to me, I'll pour out my spirit upon you. I'll pour out my blessing upon you. I'll bring new life to you. I'll bring vitality, spiritual life to you. And, and you won't be ashamed to identify with me and to be called by my name any longer. Look at verse six. Thus says the Lord, the king of Israel, he's their king. And his redeemer, he's the redeemer, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. He's fought for them throughout their history. 
I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus takes this same title of the first and the last in Revelation chapter one, verse 17. And again, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 13, Jesus declares that he is the first and the last. But there can't be two firsts and two lasts. And here the Lord Yahweh Jehovah says he's the first and he's the last. But in Revelation, Jesus says he's the first and he's the last. So how can this be? Because Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Jehovah. They're one and the same. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We'll have more from this message in a moment. But first, we'd like to tell you about an exciting resource available this Christmas season. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you more. Christmas can be a very busy time of year for most of us. And in our busyness, we can forget the reason for the season, Jesus Christ. So my wife Cameron wrote a wonderful daily devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple devotional is written for women and is designed to help you keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. We would be happy to mail you a copy as our thank you for your investment of any amount in this daily radio ministry. To receive your copy of 31 Days of December, visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. Now let's finish today's message. And look what God says here through the prophet Isaiah. He says, and besides me, there is no other God. There is no other God. They're worshiping these other gods. But here the Lord says, there is no other God. Israel at this point is worshiping a a bunch of other gods, little g. And, And here the Lord says, besides me, there is no God. There are no other gods but Yahweh. If you look over in chapter 46, just a couple pages. In verse 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. There is no other God. And here, Yahweh declares that He is the only God. But what about all the gods that Israel is worshiping right now? What about them? They're false gods. They're false gods. They're not really gods. They're false gods. And the Bible says there is one true God. And that means that every other God is a false God. Because there's only one true God. And the Bible tells us that the one true God has revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. And I want you to note here that Isaiah the prophet is not silent about this. He's not silent. He loves his fellow Israelites too much to remain silent and to say nothing about the gods they're worshiping. So he's not silent, and neither does he lie to them. He doesn't tell Israel, hey, it's okay for you to worship whatever god you want to worship. If, if that's the, the God that you have found on your spiritual journey or your spiritual path, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm happy for you. It's all right for you to worship that God. All roads lead to, to heaven. And No, he, he doesn't lie to them. 
He doesn't just stand by silently while the whole nation starts worshiping other gods. Neither does he lie to them and tell them it's okay for you to worship these other gods. He's very clear with them and he boldly proclaims the truth to them. That Yahweh is the only God. There's no other God. Yahweh is the only one. And he's going to go on to say in this chapter, as we're going to see, and he'll continue on in 45 and 46, as we'll see in coming weeks. He's going to say to the people of Israel just how foolish it is of them to worship these other gods, because these other gods cannot do anything for them. The the other gods that they're worshiping, they don't love them. Those gods don't love them like Yahweh does. They, they, they weren't created by those gods. Those gods can't do anything for them. They're useless, he's going to say. And he tells them, you're foolish to worship those gods. You're foolish to worship them instead of Yahweh. Now, we live in a time of very extreme political correctness and in a time of tolerance. And it's a time where it is, it's offensive to speak the truth. And it's offensive to say to someone that what they believe is wrong. But this is what the Bible says, that that Jehovah is the only God, that there's one true God, and he's revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. And often all of us, myself included, we remain silent when someone else talks about the God that they worship and we don't say anything to them. And I think for us, we can follow the example of Isaiah here and we can speak the truth and love about Jesus Christ and speak the truth and love about the worship of other gods and other religious religious systems and not be ashamed of the gospel and tell people not in a not in a offensive way or not in a adversarial way necessarily, but just in a very direct, truthful, but loving way. That, hey, Jesus is the only way to eternal life and your God can do nothing for you. And your God doesn't love you. He can't forgive you of your sins. He can't save you. He can't help you. He can't change you. But Jesus Christ can do all those things. And like Isaiah, we need to be truthful. Not be silent. And not lie to people about the gods they worship. But just say it and say it straight. Look at verse 7. Here the Lord speaking says, And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and see it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people, speaking of the Israelites, and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Here the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, says, let these other so-called gods prove that they are gods by prophecy, by declaring the things that shall come in the future. Now, God has made this argument several times in the book of Isaiah already, where God has said, let these other gods prove their gods by declaring something that will happen in the future. By prophecy. Prophecy is the litmus test. That Jehovah says is the litmus test. Prophecy is the litmus test for deity. And any God that is a God, truly a God, 
should be able to proclaim things before they happen. That's what Jehovah says. And so let them prove that they're gods by declaring things before they happen. By prophecy. Have have you noticed in Isaiah how much the Lord emphasizes prophecy as proof that he is who he is? And proof that the other gods are false gods. We've talked about this before, but I think it's 27% of the Bible is prophecy. Every four or five verses, you hit prophecy, a prophetic statement, a prophetic passage. And there are no prophecies found in other religious writings, other religious books, other quote-unquote holy books. The Koran does not have prophecy in it. No other religious writings have prophecy. No other religious writings contain a, a description of future events before they happen. And yet the God of the Bible says, this, this is the way you know. This is how you can identify the true God from false gods. It's prophecy. Verse 8. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. He he says to the people of Israel that they are witnesses of these truths. They know that Yahweh is real. They know that the people of Israel owe their very existence to Yahweh, to Jehovah, you know, the Jewish people today. Their existence is proof that the God of the Bible is true. They've, you know, the Jewish people have witnessed the Lord working in their nation throughout their history, going all the way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and the judges and Samuel, the prophet, and all the way through their history. They've seen God working in their nation and guiding and directing their nation and and working miracles on their behalf. Just as he says here, Jehovah has been their God. He's been their rock throughout their history. But, But at this point, as Isaiah pins this, as he writes this, the people of Israel have forsaken the Lord and they've gone after these other gods. And yet here God says, you're my witnesses. You're the proof that I am who I am. It's, a, it's, you know, the argument here that the Lord makes is very similar to the argument that the Apostle Paul makes in the New Testament to the Corinthians. You know, the Apostle Paul traveled to Corinth on a mission trip. He brought the gospel to Corinth. The gospel was brought there for the first time by the Apostle Paul. He planted a church there. He established a work of the Lord there. He raised up disciples there. You know, he he got them established, so to speak, before he left. But then years later, critics of the Apostle Paul began to say that, that Paul was not truly an apostle. He was not a legitimate apostle. And that he didn't have apostolic authority. And there were people in the church in Corinth, believers in the church in Corinth, who also rejected Paul's apostleship. He asked me how I 
We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton today for Ring of Truth. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from Pastor Dan, they're available to you at our website, calvaryec.com. We'd also like to take a moment to invite you to partner with us here at Ring of Truth. Would you consider investing in this ministry financially? Your investment of any amount will be used to bring these daily Bible studies to you and other listeners. Throughout this month, as our way of saying thank you for partnering with us, we will send you a wonderful devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple daily devotional, written for women, is designed to keep your focus on Jesus during one of the busiest months of the year. The devotional begins on the first day of December and walks you through the story of the birth of Jesus in daily bite-sized pieces. It's the perfect tool to keep Jesus in the forefront of your Christmas season. To get your copy of 31 Days of December, call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. Or visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on give. That's calvaryec.com. We will gladly mail a copy to you. Thank you for partnering with us and thank you for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am I know because I know His voice and it only takes It's true.